it's starting to fray at the edges for Gladys Berejiklian. And I'm sorry to say, with respect, she's got nobody to blame but herself. When you allow your bloody media advisor, who, by the way, won't allow her on this program, when you allow your media advisor a seat at the table of the crisis cabinet meetings and not the police minister, you know you're on a hiding to nothing. Van Badham, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Marcus. I'm all right. I mean, I'm over this lockdown, but isn't everyone... Well, I think so. 4,000 cases still in the community where they are not sure uh, where the transmission has come from. Uh, The numbers are climbing 6.33 yesterday. Uh, The worst is still yet to come, according to authorities, as the infections explode. She was warned. She was warned again and again and again this was going to happen. But Morrison, of course, encouraged her. Morrison said this was the gold standard. Doesn't feel very golden, Marcus. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, And it's going to cost uh, uh, the economy a fortune. It's going to cost taxpayers paying off, uh, you know, the the welfare debt an absolute fortune. And and yet the Premier still pockets nearly $8,000 a week in pay. Uh, This is the thing. And uh, that's fine. You know, that's probably a little unfair to say. But release the health advice from the opposition, from uh, opposing MPs of all colours. It's been very clear that this thing is going on amongst some sort of secrecy. Politics is a big part of it. Uh, We've got internal factions within the New South Wales Liberal National Party. Uh, You've got the Premier uh, saying one thing, the Deputy Premier saying a different thing on occasions when it comes to lockdowns in regional areas. Nobody seems to be singing off the one hymn sheet. And worst of all, worst of all, Van, you've got the police who are supposed to enforce all of these health regulations without a seat at the table. And they're they're furious about it. Uh, The police commissioner and the police minister in New South Wales have effectively been blocked out by the Premier. (laughs) How does that work? Yeah, it's absolutely terrible. Uh, I mean, I had uh, an experience the other day which just typified this whole ridiculous lockdown for me. Uh, and that was a friend of my mother's, lives alone, is immunocompromised, and wanted a bubble buddy and called my mother and said, can I do that? Now, my mother's getting cancer treatment at the moment. My mother's been getting cancer treatment at St George Hospital, which is where, of course, the outbreak was the other yeah. day in the, in the cancer ward. Yep. So it's very tense at this end. And my mother was like, oh, okay, well, we'll find out if that's possible, if there's something we can do. Went to the website. The website's absolutely incomprehensible. Incomprehensible. Not accessible, very confusing language, you know, is it, 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 and it doesn't matter what you look up. If it looks up, can you get, can you get a cleaner? Yes, no, maybe in the LGA, not in the LGA, absolutely no, things like that. And you, you keep hearing these stories of people going, I just don't know how to navigate the information. Um, so the information is not on the website. So get on the phone and go through the phone tree, spend half an hour on the phone tree to be told at the end of the phone tree, oh, we don't have information on that. And it's like, it's the Premier turns around and says, oh, people are doing the wrong thing. We had 400 people you know, picked up by the police for doing the wrong thing. It's like, it's almost impossible to find out what the rules are. Well, so you have true. people who want to do the right thing 
And I think everybody's very aware of the seriousness of coronavirus in New South Wales now because cases are growing. The more cases grow, the more pe- the more people for whom it lands about how terrible this is. There was that devastating interview with uh, uh, the senator from Queensland, the Labor senator from Queensland, not Queensland, Canberra. Katie, Katie, Katie Gallagher. Yeah, well, Katie her daughter, her daughter has 14-year-old daughter yes. has coronavirus. And she gave an interview on the ABC yesterday morning. And she's a pretty tough as nails. Yes, she is. Katie Gallagher. And you could hear just a, a mother's terror and sadness in her voice. And she spoke about the fact that her daughter was alone, you, you know, cut off from the world, suffering and she spoke about the fact that her son was in the next room Mm. and he was just living in fear about when he would get the virus when the infection would take hold and it was devastating and that's happening to hundreds and hundreds of families in the state every day and yet the premier puts it on us and says oh well you know it's all these people doing the wrong thing the messaging is inconsistent the information is very difficult to track down you know, God help you if if your literacy skills aren't good. Good, God yep. help you if English isn't your first language. It's confusing and difficult, and yet the premier turns around and blames the rest of us. It's not on. It's just not on. This is just terrible, and it's it's the fear is growing. You can feel it in the community. Well, so is because- the anger. The fear and the anger and, look, there's suggestions of more protests over this coming weekend, which obviously we do not endorse and you shouldn't be doing it. Uh, But I'm almost starting to understand. Uh, Not that I'm endorsing protests. The last thing we need is a super spreader event. Just moving away from COVID, has our nation done enough to assist the good folk of Afghanistan. Uh, no. Considering we put a... I mean, I don't understand. We had a jet leave Kabul International Airport yesterday, the first so-called evacuation flight. There were 26 souls on board on that big RAAF jet. 26. And yet we've all seen the footage of the people who were so desperate to leave Afghanistan and were clinging to one of the American planes that was leaving airport mm. they are finding bodies in the landing gear of the planes that yeah. are landing because people are doing literally anything they can to try and get out and yet the australian government only let 26 people on a plane and bragged about it oh well we got 26 people out and it's like there are thousands and thousands of people who helped us and a lot of people don't know the the interpreters who assisted the australian army in afghanistan they wore the uniform. They wore the ADF uniform. Yeah, they flew the colours and they kept our boys and our girls safe and they probably deserve a lot better. Look, in fairness, around 1,800 of them have been uh, brought here to safety in Australia, but there are so many more and we should be doing much, much more. I'm afraid and I worry, and I mentioned this before, Van, and I don't know, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. I th- Watch this space. We've got a, a federal election not too far away. It's in May. Scott Morrison will now start appealing to knuckle-draggers everywhere about, oh, they're coming, they're on their way, can't you see the boats on the horizon? He will, the rhetoric's already started. Oh, we will We will determine who we let into this country and how we do so. And all this, he'll, he'll drag out Peter Dutton and, you know, there'll be a fear campaign. Oh, if you elect Labor or you elect somebody else into government, they'll just let them all in. I can see it coming a mile away. Oh, well, they've said that they've, They've doubled down on the Afghans who are already here. So 
I think Australians are getting some understanding of why refugees come from Afghanistan. The Taliban are terrifying. The Taliban shoot up schools full of children yep. to teach to teach other communities there a lesson. Like Afghanistan has 14 different ethnic communities. Some of them are very liberal and progressive and prioritise education and believe in gender equality. And I'm talking about people like the Hazara. And I know you've had Hazaras on on your show and talking about the the kind of persecution that, that they face. It is genuinely terrifying. And, of course, people do anything to get their children out of Afghanistan to, to make sure that they're not in danger. Mm. You know, there are people who cross borders on foot, like the most unbelievable stories. And uh, there are thousands of these people in Australia who are seeking asylum and going through years and years and years of the um, the refugee proce- uh, process to oh, try and get protection. It is, it is absolutely crazy because it's obvious. Like, obviously, these people need sanctuary. Obviously. And it's, it's not obvious- illegal to uh, seek asylum. It is not illegal to seek asylum. And there was a time in this country that we took that really seriously. 40,000 40, at the fall of, uh, um, you know, after Tiananmen Square, after the massacre there. We took some 50,000 after the fall of Saigon. I mean, for goodness sake, we've done it before. Why, under recent governments, has there been this fear and this concern about us being a compassionate country? Oh. We seem to be able to find billions of dollars for, uh, you know, for big business to take money under JobKeeper, but we can't seem to find a heart or money when it comes to looking after, on compassionate grounds, people who face persecution. Well, it's it's unambiguous. It is absolutely unambiguous the situation. Would any Australian want to move to Afghanistan now? Do they think that is a safe country? No. Do they think life under the Taliban is desirable? Do they think life under the Taliban is safe? Mm. Would would any Australian woman want to go to Afghanistan now and and live there? No. I mean, come on, everyone. Like, right. Of course. This is a place that should provide safe harbour, especially to communities that helped us, that wore our uniform That's right. you know, and, and risked their lives to look after us. All right, Ben. Thank you so much for coming on, as always. Oh, you're the best, Marcus. Thanks for bringing it up.